Welcome to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, the podcast for high achievers who want to stay sharp, focused, and full of energy despite their diagnosis. With your host, National Board Certified Functional Medicine Health Coach, Julie Michelson, where Julie helps you take your power back from autoimmunity. And now here's your host, Julie Michelson. Welcome back to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast. I'm your host, Julie Michelson, and today we are joined by Dr. Jane Brewer, chiropractor extraordinaire. Dr. Jane focuses on upper cervical chiropractic and neurostructural correction, which is a unique approach to restoring balance to the three core aspects of one's body, the structural framework, function, and autoregulation. In this episode, we dive into this unique and effective approach to enhancing wellness and to supporting the immune system and how it differs from traditional chiropractic care. Dr. Jane explains the importance in having your head on straight, and she shares easy-to-do tips for supporting the vagus nerve to improve immune health. Dr. Jane, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you with us today. I'm really happy to be here. So full disclosure, everybody, Dr. Jane is my incredible chiropractor and she, we could spend a whole half hour just talking about the benefits I've received and how different what you do is from typical chiropractic when people think of chiropractors, because I've had years of experience with that as well, but we're not here to talk about me today. So I'd love to start out by having you share with listeners a little bit about, you know, how did you get to be not only a chiropractor, but, but somebody who's practicing, you know, upper cervical chiropractics focused on neurostructural corrections, because that's very specific. And so I'm guessing that wasn't your dream when you were in preschool. (laughs) This is true. The brief answer to your question is I got here in a very roundabout way. I grew up in New York city and had a crazy and wild upbringing there. And then I went to undergrad and I got an art degree and I really enjoyed making things and never really utilized said art degree. So I had about 11 years of a very interesting, diverse life between undergrad and the time that I had a life-changing experience with chiropractic care, but found myself living in Crested Butte. Right, where I really for discussed. those of you who don't know. Yes. So beautiful paradise of a mountain town in in Colorado and just discovered the love of all things outdoors, learned how to mountain bike, took up skiing. And those two things really are what brought me to the chiropractic profession. I was probably in my mid to late twenties at that time. And, you know, still in that window where you think your body is pretty invincible, but I was beating it up pretty badly. And a friend of mine suggested to go see a chiropractor in town to give your listeners an idea of Crested Butte town at that time, about 20 years ago, maybe a thousand, 1200 year round residents, a pretty small town. And so I went to see Dr. Mimi. She was my first chiropractor and got under care and it just totally transformed my life. Of course, physically I felt better, but she really taught me the foundations of why, why does chiropractic matter? You know, why care for your spine? It houses your central nervous system, arguably the most important thing we've got because it controls the rest of everything else. And it really, after 11 years of being out of school, inspired me to make a total 180 in my life and go back to school to learn how to 
practice. And so she was preparing me. She's like, Jane, you're going to go to school and you're going to realize that there are a bunch of different approaches to care, different adjusting techniques. And she really suggested that I explore all of them and just find what really resonated with me. And I really remember her saying, she's like, Jane, there's even chiropractors that just focus on the top bone in the neck. And at that time I was like, that's crazy. Like why? (laughs) And here we are. I am the chiropractor that focuses on the top bone in the neck. And it really is the structural foundation of the whole spine. It holds our head up, our head is our world, it holds our brain. And just, you know, focusing and really owning and understanding that area has helped me be the facilitator to help people see really amazing changes in their lives and their health. Which is absolutely true. I can personally attest and, and for something that listeners can directly relate to again, whether it's that top bone or, you know, the whole spine, we tend to think of chiropractic care for back pain, right? Or totally. Pain, right. Like exactly. something that we would, mm-hmm. we're going for pain relief. And you and I were talking before we started, because I know part of your story that I didn't used to know was that you have personal experience with chiropractic improving your lab numbers, right? For yeah. your thyroid labs. Exactly. So and this wasn't anything I was expecting. You know, I got under care. I, you know, back at, I don't know if they still do this in Colorado. They had the nine news health fair and they would come through Crested Butte and they would do blood work uh, either free or low cost. I can't remember, but you know, as a 20 something, I probably didn't even have insurance at that time. I was like, sure, I'll get my lab work done. And the one thing that was kind of out of uh, normal range was my TSH. So my thyroid was under functioning and it was reflected in my lab work. And, you know, I didn't at that point think, I, I should know do what something to do about this. Exactly. Right. I was like, that's eh, just a little bit abnormal, right? And through my chiropractic care, which is the only thing I added, I didn't change any other self care elements of my routine. And then, you know, that health care came around again. And all of a sudden, all my lab, lab work was normal. And <laughs> let's start that part over. Okay. Sorry, that's that's this is a fir- that's actually the first time they've done that. Oh, it's okay. Okay, sorry, Max. Thank you, Max. <laughs> okay, just the like only self care you changed. Got it. Ish. Cool. So yes, the only self care addition I had was getting my spine adjusted, and I went back to my chiropractor. I was like look, this changed. And she's like, haven't I taught you anything? I was like, maybe teach me again. (laughs) And, you know, she explained the same concept she did when I initially started care. You know, we've got this central nervous system, the master control system from the spinal cord. We have the nerves that branch off that send and receive signals to every cell tissue and organ in our body. And, you know, if there was some kind of obstruction or miscommunication, so to speak, then perhaps my hormone production, my hormone balance, my thyroid function was not optimal. And by addressing those underlying structural issues, getting the spine adjusted, clearing all of that up, my body was able to regain some of that normal function, which really is at the heart, in my opinion, of what the chiropractic profession can offer people, whether, you know, chiropractors themselves realize it or not, 
we are much bigger than just back or neck pain, like you mentioned, especially with this subspecialty that upper cervical offers for sure. We definitely look at things from that non-traditional lens. Amazing. So let's talk a little bit about this upper cervical specialty and, you know, why, why did it grab your attention? Why are you so sold? Um, yeah, I'm so good at it. But, you know, what is what is different about coming to see you versus coming to see a chiropractor who does, again, more traditionally what I sure. would consider, you know, a full spine adjustment? And to qualify, it's not that you only touch that one place. Right, right, right. Yes. So tell I, us about like the, the power <laughs> of that little area. Totally. So to preface that, I truly don't look at uh, any other approaches as good or bad or right or wrong. I think there's a time and a place for everything. And I think that starting with what I consider to be the structural foundation of the spine can make a huge difference between just chasing around symptoms and compensations and actually getting to the underlying cause of what might be going on, structurally speaking. So I tell my patients when they come in for a consultation that instead of just looking at where it hurts, we're going to try to figure out where it's coming from. It's really easy to putty up a crack in the wall and make it look nice on the surface. Sometimes it's a little harder to figure out where that's coming from, but the reward in actually getting to the bottom of what's going on is being able to make those repairs, so to speak, so that we create the conditions for a longer lasting change. And I love my patients. I do not want to see them in my office twice a week for the rest of their lives. I want to help people along the way to reestablish as much strength and stability in their spine as we can and work to protect those gains so that over time, their bodies do get stronger and stronger. I think that's a little bit different than what would be considered um, that more traditional chiropractic approach where perhaps, you know, Chiropractors are just kind of addressing symptomatically what's going on, maybe relieving some muscle tension, restoring a bit of range of motion. But I really prefer to take kind of that 10,000 foot view, that bird's eye view. It's all interconnected. Really try to address where it's coming from. We screen every single one of our patients, whether they come in with neck pain or pain in their little toe for a shift at the atlas, that uppermost um, first segment in the neck, because it <laughs> because it has such a big impact on what's going on. It's okay. His puppy's barking. <laughs> <laughs> and and I know so what what that boils down to for your patients. I want to just circle back and reiterate you said it, yeah. but I want people to really understand the difference. I had referred a good friend to you who I knew had issues that happened to be with with his neck. And he said exactly kind of what I was thinking before I met you, which was, you know, I don't have time to go to a chiropractor twice a week for the rest of my life. And I'm like, no, 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 really just go meet her (laughs) and you'll see. And, and it it really is, there is such a difference between, I I love that I I call, I was waiting for you to say top down, that the foundation is really at the top. Um, yeah, we kind of flip it upside down. It's, I know it's funny to think of the foundation of something at the top, but structurally speaking, when it comes to our spine, it's, it's really true. That atlas is the most freely movable segment in our spine. It also lacks some of the rest of the protection mechanisms that the rest of the spine has to keep things stable and in place. So that's really why we check there first. And don't get me wrong. Of course, I'm an advocate for caring for your spine throughout your lifetime, but it shouldn't require as much effort to keep things happy and healthy as it does to get them back up to that level in the first place. 
Yep. And I just said to you before we hit record that I need <laughs> to come in next week for, for a little adjustment. And it's been, Perfect. you know, it's probably, I'm not the best. <laughs> I'm not, I could be a little more consistent. <laughs> I think it's probably been a couple of months or so, but at this point, that seems to be all I need to feel amazing. I know we're going to bring this to autoimmune, you know, kind of under the autoimmune umbrella. Most of us with autoimmunity have a myriad of things. And so I want to kind of, it's kind of like the high low. I I definitely want to talk about, you know, you keep talking about the central nervous system. I want to talk about how caring for your central nervous system impacts immune health for sure, because I know listeners will be, you know, obviously interested and and willing probably to take any steps you're going to share with them to, to start taking care of their spine. But for me personally, things like, I mean, I've seen you, there've been so many things (laughs) that, you know, again, we're all whole humans. So that's not like, oh, my autoimmune conditions over here on the left and my migraine is over here on the right. And I have, you know, congenital structural issues that one would pro I probably could have been told just like we are with autoimmunity, like, oh, too bad. Like you have, you know, fused vertebrae. So of course you can't turn your head very far versus like, oh, well, you know, we need to be extra sure. You know, your approach has been amazing. So again, kind of these things that we think we have to live with are things that I've personally experienced Mm -hmm. improvement with. So, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, how does what you do support people's immune systems or how can it help them improve autoimmune symptoms? Totally. You just reminded me of a quote and I do, I don't want to misattribute it to somebody, but there's a quote in chiropractic that talks about how, and it's probably, I want to say it's BJ Palmer, who was really the developer of the chiropractic profession. He said, medicine is what is the study of what makes a person sick and I'm butchering this a little bit, but chiropractic is the study of what makes a person healthy. And so it's looking at it from that different lens. And like you said, I think there's always hope and there's always room for healing. We are incredibly designed to be self-healing, self-regulating, self-maintaining. And I look at what I do as a remove what's getting in the way from that expressing as well as it should. So as far as autoimmunity is concerned, the biggest thing that I think would be valuable for your listeners is to talk a bit about the vagus nerve, which I find to be the most interesting nerve in the whole body. Powerful one, one, for sure. It is. It's one of our 12 cranial nerves, which means they have their origin inside the head. And the vagus nerve is the longest nerve in the body. It wanders, the word vagus means wanderer. And it connects a lot of our vital organs. And so when there's an issue with the communication over that nerve, it can really have a whole host of secondary effects. It can affect our digestion. It can affect our heart rate. It can affect our respiration. And it can also affect our immune function, which, of course, is key. Absolutely. And and so... I would actually have to second. <laughs> you are you are not the first guest who's come on and mentioned the importance of the vagus nerve. This is not cool. new information, but then I know you're going to give us some trips and 
trips, no, (laughs) tricks and tips on how to stimulate. So, so we kind of tend to think of things almost backwards because when somebody's in a high stress state all the Mm -hmm. time, you know, and we, we think of, oh, we have to calm down, but we usually don't, are usually our vagus nerve is understimulated, not overstimulated. There's that inverse relationship there. And the the way I explain to my patients is that we have these two parts to our autonomic or automatic nervous system. You can think about it as you have the sympathetic, which is the fight or flight. You have the parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest. I tell people to think about it like the gas pedal and the brake pedal of a car. You need both of those elements to have a properly functioning car. Like you don't want to drive a car without either one of those things, but you need them to work in tandem with each other and not against each other. And yeah, it's not a situation where I guess it's easier to explain it in the way that, you know, we tend to live in that more sympathetic driven world. And so, yes, that other side of things is a bit neglected. Like we need to learn how to pump the brakes a little bit better. I love that. So I never connected before kind of, you know, even the work that you've done for me, but it makes perfect sense of, you know, that connection to the vagus nerve. Are you so, able to see things or is this just audio? <laughs> hang on. Let me. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So structurally, the way the vagus nerve can be influenced is that we have that top bone in the neck, the atlas. And it's very uniquely shaped. It's shaped entirely different from any other segment of the spine. And it's kind of got wings. Um, It's got the opening, of course, in the center where the spinal cord passes through. But it's got these wings that come out on the side of it. And when we have a misalignment of this vertebra, the vagus nerve runs just in front of one of those wings. And if this rotates a bit out of alignment, it can really create irritation on those tissues and create an inflammatory response and really hinder that normal communication over the vagus nerve. So a structural issue can be a piece of the puzzle when it comes to, like you said, an underactive vagus nerve. Which is amazing to to think about. Yeah. It's just, as you said before, the body is amazing and, and, you know, to, Imagine something like an adjustment. And again, it's, this isn't like a pinched nerve or what we think of like, oh, you know, my alignment is off and I feel pain. Like you wouldn't really necessarily notice. Yeah. And there's been some really interesting studies published. One of the biggest ones I could think of is concerning HRV and chiropractic and upper cervical adjustments specifically. And to see a positive influence on heart rate variability, and really that can be directly attributed to reducing the irritation on the vagus. There's a specific chiropractic adjustment. It's really cool stuff. That is amazing. So short of, and we're gonna hopefully. Ta- I'm throwing you under the bus. I'm just presuming you'll okay. help listeners figure out how to find a qualified upper cervical practitioner, but. Before we even get there, so somebody doesn't, you know, right this minute, they, you know, they're not here in Northern Colorado, so they can't drive over to Precision and make an appointment with you. You What are some things, obviously this is not going to fix any kind of structural issue, but what are some things 
just talking about vagus nerve, you know, that we can do to support or stimulate good function there? Absolutely. One of the easiest things that I do every day is once in the morning and once in the evening when I'm brushing my teeth, I take the time to gargle. Sometimes I do it in the shower. Apologize to your partner, spouse, roommate in advance because I want you to do this as loudly as possible. But that gargling or alternatively, you can hum or even sing. But that that vibration is a great way to stimulate the vagus nerve. So that's one thing I do a couple times a day. And then laughter has the same effect. So just get with some good friends and um, have a good belly laugh. But those are good, easy ways to do that. I love that. And I love that you pointed out, yeah, it's that vibration we want to be. I like laughter is my favorite of all of them um, because it does so much more than simply stimulate the vagus nerve. Um, But the gargling is such a good, easy trick. You know, like you said, just build it into your routine. And I say, don't apologize. Just, just go for it. They should be (laughs) doing it too. Exactly. (laughs) And I do, I have a client who intentionally sings in the car loudly to stimulate her vagus nerve. It's, Awesome. Weekly homework. She loves it. That's great. There's other stuff too, the stuff that is not maybe as easy, like you there's cold water immersion. Like I think immersing your face in cold water can be good, but albeit maybe not super pleasant all the time. Belly breathing, of course. And just, you know, I always place one hand on my chest, one hand on my belly, make sure the hand on my belly is moving more than the one on my chest. And also paying attention to the exhalation being a bit longer than the inhalation, because that's really the trigger for the relaxation response is a long exhale. I love that. That is, that's amazing. I had to have an interview out with, her name's Jody Cohen. She has an amazing essential oils company, Vibrant Brew. (laughs) Can't talk today. Vibrant Blue Oils. Sorry, Jody. Um, And she has an amazing oil blend that she created called Parasympathetic. That oh, helps. I'm going to look into that. Stimulate. It is. It's amazing. But again, it helps stimulate the vagus nerve. But you you don't want to use it to relax. You actually want to use it during the day, and it'll let that vagus nerve better do its job cool. later. And so, as as listeners can tell, those of us that are you know geeky and do this for a living, that more than there's no reason not to do more than one thing. Like it's just it it's. We're always playing around and again, knowing Jane, I know she is too with different approaches and I would have everybody do all of it if we could all, you know, spend that much time on self. If I could convince everybody to spend that much time on self-care, that would be amazing. Uh, totally. But that, which is why I like things like gargling, like do it in the shower. Oh. You're in there anyway. So you might just open your mouth and put some water in there. <laughs> well, and that's, that's the thing. It doesn't, it's not taking any extra time. Right. Exactly. And, and I literally do prescribe, I try not to prescribe homework to my clients, but we usually come upon, I have probably five private clients right now that have watching old sitcoms as part of their routines that are like homework that we're checking in on because especially with COVID, right? There was less out and about with friends and laughter and community and, and on a regular basis. And it's like, you know, we can actually create those opportunities 
it doesn't, you don't have to be, you know, it can be mindless and funny and, but that laughter is so healing. Totally. My inner New Yorker chooses Seinfeld for those. So, And you, you know, I'm right there with you. <laughs> Although I have one client right now who's just watching, I love Lucy and that's kind of hard to go wrong oh, with too. <laughs> totally. That's good too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so how does somebody find, I, I mean, I guess it's hard because I'm like, well, who, who should be looking? I mean, everybody, I think just because everybody that I know that I've sent to you has, you know, just feels better, whatever, whatever that looks like, but what, what would be something that you would recommend? Obviously anybody listening, if they're diagnosed with an autoimmune condition or they have a loved one who is, is that in your book cause to find somebody to help them with their spine? I think so. And the reason is it's often an overlooked component in people's overall health. And if there, I can't even tell you how many times I sit with somebody in my conference room during an initial consultation, just getting to know each other with a conversation and having them say like, I've tried everything. This is my last resort. And I wish it wasn't looked at like that. Although I'm grateful to be able to help them along their path of healing. But I, people need to know that something structural going on in their spine can be the underlying cause for many, many secondary issues. So I think it's worth screening for it. You know, just because you step foot into a chiropractic office does not necessarily mean you have a chiropractic problem. But I would say that, you know, anyone experiencing autoimmunity, especially if you have any kind of history of accident or injury. And sometimes you can think back decades and it takes many years for these processes, these processes to develop. And so sometimes people remember, yes, 20 years ago, I backed into a lamppost and it kind of made my neck feel a little sore. I didn't think anything of it at the time, but then here we are a couple decades down the road and it created this degenerative process that is now contributing to other issues. So I don't know if that answered your question whatsoever. It but did. I, oh. it, it did. And I, I have to, I'm going to segue because two and a half years ago, as I'm sure you remember, I experienced a head injury and I, I mean, I didn't work for three months. It was a significant head injury. It was not my first head injury. It was after, you know, years of many growing up as a competitive equestrian and riding as a not young equestrian <laughs> as well. But this one was really significant. And had I known then, I would have done the same thing back then. But this was so significant that I couldn't drive. And I didn't leave my house for probably two months, except to have somebody drive me to come see you a few yeah. times a week. I mean, it was, and it, it was such a, made such a difference. And I know head injuries are cumulative and there's all kinds of other things, but, but treating that one so consistently, it's like, I I feel like I have to worry almost less about that one than the ones Mm -hmm. years ago that I didn't take care of at the time, but that you've helped me since, you know, correct anything that I was feeling residually from those as well. Yeah. Um, Your body wants your head to be on straight. Your brain wants your head to be on straight. And, you know, I was joking around with people and we have this new like t-shirt that says, is your head on straight? But it's true. And when the head, and that's something too, like your listeners 
I always tell patients too, like go on your phone and look at photographs of yourself. Mm. Is your head tilted the same way every single time? That's a really easy indication that it may be worth getting your atlas checked because it bears the load of carrying our head. You know, we're carrying this little 12 pound bowling ball on top of a bone that just weighs a few ounces. It is the most vulnerable spot in the spine. And if it shifts out of alignment, it starts to create a whole cascading effect of compensation. And I think something you asked before, how do you find one of us? Because there yes. aren't many of us. Right. There are a couple of online directories that you might find if you just Google maybe upper cervical chiropractor in my area. There's a couple online directories that'll pop up. Um, the one that's coming to mind has to do with this postdoctoral degree I'm working on. Um, there's a council for upper cervical chiropractic care that's administered through the, the ICA, the International Chiropractic Association. I know there's an online directory for members there. I'm always happy to be a resource for your listeners. It would be super easy for somebody to just send me an email, say, hey, I'm in this town. Can you help me find somebody in my area? I'm, I'm more than happy to be a resource in that way. Super easy. So generous of you. I want to also share your process and I'm not, a well, I don't even want to put words <laughs> into your mouth. What do you recommend? I've never walked into a chiropractic office and had an intake like you do and had an evaluation like you do. Um, I'm guessing since that's how you do it, you think that, that you value that process and you think it's the best way, but what should listeners be looking for? Say they find a practitioner and they go to the office. What are the kinds of things that let them know that they're in a place, you know, at least at the level of what you're talking about and what you're doing? That's a great question. So the first thing that I would say, you know, and everyone's going to operate a little bit differently, but most people that I know offer at least some kind of either complimentary or very low cost uh, consultation. In my office, it's the first step to establishing any relationship with a potentially new patient is that I just want to sit down with them, take a thorough health history, understand really well what brings them in, be able to explain our approach to care because if they've had the more traditional chiropractic approach, they're going to find this to be very different. And just from that place of understanding, see where it makes sense to go from there. The next step would be to make sure that this doctor is going to do a very thorough exam. And we screen things from a structural perspective, as well as a neurological perspective. There's many ways to do that. So there, you know, there may be some variety in the types of tests, but at a minimum, there needs to be some imaging done of the craniocervical junction. So of the atlas to identify exactly how in that individual that has shifted so that an adjustment can then be customized based on those measurements for that person. So upper cervical care is very much individualized. It's tailored for each patient. I likely will never give the same adjustment twice to two different people in my entire career because we're all built a bit differently. So that, to me, the imaging is really the foundation of any type of upper cervical correction. You know, beyond that, there's going to be other tools and tests that different practitioners will use. For example, some of the ones we use here is we test grip strength because that gives us a great window into how well the nerves that come from the neck are communicating down the arm and hand. There's also some really cool research concerning grip strength and longevity and our ability to kind of fend off diseases as we age. So it's some neat stuff there. And it's cool to see that improve as people heal. We also look at uh, weight distribution and see how the body is compensating. We test 
enhanced range of motion digitally of the neck and we do you know, basic cranial nerve screening. There's a lot of different ways to cook an egg, but at a minimum, you should be at least in a place where they're going to take the time to understand what's bringing you in and to have a very thorough intake process that involves some kind of imaging. You know, the standard has often been x-ray, but now a lot of the upper cervical world is kind of dipping their toe into CBCT or cone beam CT, similar to kind of the panoramic images that a dentist would take of the teeth. There's some really neat 3D imaging coming out that, you know, if anyone's out there is looking to buy me a, you know, $150,000 birthday present, <laughs> that would be great. So we won't but, be seeing uh, that at Precision next week. <laughs> not next week, but I, it's, it's a top priority. I think it'll just take our ability to care for people to the next level, but there's some really cool stuff happening in the imaging world, but either x-ray, CBCT, but some way to really put our eyeballs on exactly what's happened are, you know, just like we're not symmetrical on the outside, we're not symmetrical on the inside. So oftentimes, you know, of course, chiropractors rely a lot on the sensitivity of our hands to feel what's going on in the spine. There's never going to be anything symmetrical. So we need to confirm what we're feeling with what we actually can see on those images. Thank you for sharing that because I, I, when I started my process with you, I think for me, the, the most, I'm a show me kind of person. So first of all, yeah, I don't know how anyone, even with hands, you know, would know what's going on with the Atlas, but on the other side, as a patient to then sit down with you and look at my pictures Mm -hmm. and see like and then put the pieces together like, oh, wow, that makes so much sense. I've always been whatever it is, uneven in this way or, and it's, it's can be, I'm sure not everybody is, is as exciting as me, but it, the <laughs> x-rays were really dramatic. And one of the most fun parts was I, I've had my spine x-rayed before I have, again, back to the equestrian sports, I have fractured my back. I have, you know, I've had arthritis in my back. I've had other issues and other and x-rays and nobody had ever mentioned to me throughout my life that my C2 and C3 were just one bone. And it was like, oh, wow, that explains a lot too. Yeah. But to see the wonky angle of my Atlas was it just gave me on the other side of it, like, okay, now I know what she's working to correct. Right. And, right. and I'm a visual person. So that was helpful for me. me. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why for all of you listeners out there, I had to ask Julie if, if this is a video or an audio, because I would like to use a lot of tools to kind of demonstrate <laughs> so people can see what I'm talking about. And, and for references, people just as so listeners know, one of the other differences I find in how you practice is you are referencing those records when you adjust. So you're, oh, yeah. this is Jane is a, is a science geek and, and, you know, it, it is like mathematical and <laughs> she's, uh, so it is, it's not like you said, yes, you're always going to use your hands, but this is so much more than that. So it's, it's a, it's a whole different art. It's an art. It is. And it's, you know, I, I kind of geek out on it. Like you said, it's, it's understanding physics, it's understanding levers and wedges and how things move together. The biomechanics of the spine are incredible. And I think once you kind of understand that, that can run in the background and, you know, using image guided adjusting, 
And some of the tools that we use, you know, we use a very precisely calibrated instrument to make these corrections. And because it's so precise and because the adjustment's designed for that person, it does not require a great deal of force to accomplish those results. In fact, some people, after they're used to having those more traditional, like twisting, popping, cracking, more forceful type adjustments, this can actually seem quite underwhelming. But I always remind people. That was me. I was like, really? That's it? (laughs) I know. But we're trying to move things millimeters. We don't need to move them miles, but we need to know exactly which way to to move things so that it actually corrects the problem instead of making it worse. And it's something you said before reminded me as well. I think as much as knowing when to adjust and where to adjust is important, I think the opposite is true to knowing where not to adjust and when not to adjust is equally as important. We're after stability for the people that we take care of and, um, you know, if, if you come in and your atlas is holding, the worst thing I could do is go in there and fuck around with it because, you know, the age old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like we need to know when things are in place and when to leave them be so that your body can continue on that uninterrupted path of healing. And so that's an, another piece I want to share with listeners that I find really unique. Every time I go see you, you're checking how that atlas is before you're adjusting anything, because maybe I don't need it adjusted. And which is actually often the case because your treatment approach really does allow things to hold. And and so I find that to be really unique too. It's not just individualized care, but it's each time someone, a patient comes in, what do they need? Or as you said, what don't they need? It's, it's like, I always say, it's not just what you don't eat. It's also what you do eat that like both are important. Totally. <laughs> yeah. There is a thing in upper cervical that holding is healing and it's true. You know, the longer the body can hold those adjustments, the more it can function at that higher level as, as continuously as possible. Love that. What is one step that listeners can take today? Just right now, say someone's driving, they're listening, they're like me, they don't want to go on links and look and and we will have links and show notes for things. But what's one thing people can do starting today to improve their health? Well, if you're driving in your car, I'd suggest putting on a good tune and humming along. That'll help stimulate that vagus nerve. Come in the shower, gargle in the shower, like some of the stuff that we talked about earlier. And then especially, sorry, you asked for one thing, I'm going to give you two, both of which we referenced before, but this can be done anywhere, whether you're sitting at work, um, you're commuting, you're laying down to go to bed at night, or you just woken up in the morning, is take a few of those deep, slow belly breaths for sure. I know for myself anyways, over the last few years, things have been haywire, a bit stressful, and I've really, when I tune in, I've noticed myself holding my breath and not getting into that normal rhythm of breathing and just bringing it back to the breath, even if it's just for 30 seconds, taking a few nice deep belly breaths. That's something we could do anywhere we are, no matter what. I love that. And you can't overdo it. So I, I wholeheartedly agree with all of that advice. So stimulate that vagus nerve, get that parasympathetic nervous system working for you. Before we wrap up, I just mentioned all kinds of links are going to be in the show notes, but if somebody again is like me and they don't want to go looking, (laughs) where's the best place to find you? Well, the easiest place to find us would be our website and it's Precision Chiropractic. We're located in 
Johnstown, Colorado. So the website is www.precisionchiroco.com. And on there, you'll actually find some great resources, a ton of information. There's a form there if you want to reach out to me, if you need help finding a practitioner in your area, I would say that would be the easiest. We also have social media pages, Facebook, Instagram. I can't say I'm the greatest at keeping those updated, but there's also some fun stuff on there as well. Wonderful. Dr. Jane, thank you so much. You've shared some amazing gold with us today. Thank you. I just, I love what I do. It's more than just a, you know, a job. It's definitely a lifestyle. And it's always my hope that people find something beneficial that they can put in action right away. And I just, I love being a part of the community and I hope people will look upon me as a resource on their way to getting as healthy as possible. Incredible. For everyone listening, remember you can get the show notes and transcripts by visiting inspiredliving.show. I hope you had a great time and enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, just head on over to inspiredliving.show or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guest. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. Until next time, this is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, helping you take your power back.